0: Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of and Source, LLC. For more local news and information, please visit sawkinsource.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 40 of No Rain Date, your local news and interview podcast. I'm Josh Popachak, the host of No Rain Date and the publisher of Sock & Source, here with some of the headlines that have dominated the news for the week ending February 6th, 2021. Weather has been the biggest story of the week after a very uneventful January in which there was very little snow February came in like a lion, for sure. Actually, a big snowstorm that people are still digging out from struck on Sunday, January 31st, but it didn't really get going until the following day, and it didn't end until Groundhog Day, February 2nd. It was more than 48 hours of continuous snow, so it kind of felt a little bit surreal in that sense. It ended up being the second biggest all-time snowfall officially at Allentown at the airport. However, for some places throughout the Lehigh Valley, it may have been their biggest snowfall ever. I know that Nazareth made the national news. They were mentioned on CNN because they got over 36 inches at least at one spot. Coopersburg had over 30 inches. A number of places had around that I believe Hellertown had around 28. So everybody was (laughs) well over two feet of snow, pretty much. And the digging out, as I said, has been a days-long process. Many boroughs, including Hellertown, have brought in heavy equipment to assist with snow removal from the streets because without that, there would be no parking. Without parking, the businesses along Main Street and other areas in other downtowns really suffer tremendously so that's not really a luxury item it's a necessity that they do that and they have been working very hard we certainly thank our public works crews who have been doing yeoman's work and putting in a lot of overtime hours in order to get the streets in better shape and also in some cases the sidewalks most of those seem to be pretty good we've been fortunate that we've had a couple days of above freezing temperatures, so there has been some melting of the snow. You still have to watch out for icy patches, of course, especially at night, because the temperatures are falling back into the 20s and teens. Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, we are getting more snow. This won't be anything approaching what we saw from the January 31st to February 2nd, but we could get up to six inches, and of course, that could create problems with the roads, traffic. I don't know if it will impact school on Monday. School in Saucon Valley, anyway, was closed Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and they had a delay on Thursday. Other districts were closed even longer than that. I know Bethlehem was closed on Thursday. Bethlehem has had more issues with their roads, especially the side streets and alleys. I, uh, was driving through South Bethlehem the other day, and and it was interesting, to say the least. It was a little scary, in fact, because some of the roads really did not seem to have seen a plow. Uh, Carlton Avenue comes to mind. I uh, shared a photo of that. You uh, had to go very, very slow. Visibility is incredibly compromised because of these walls of snow. That's why I, I commented that I felt... I, I always wanted to know what it felt like to be a pinball inside a machine because you kind of feel like you're going down this narrow chute driving and, and you can't really go backwards. <laughs> you know, um, there were lots of hairy moments with coming up upon stuck vehicles and then you know, where do you go? If, if one person gets stuck, a, a lot more can, can get stuck behind them. It's going to be an interesting rest of the winter, and we are supposed to have six more weeks of winter, according to Punxsutawney Phil, who did see his shadow, not surprisingly, on Groundhog Day. It was a different Groundhog Day this year, of course, due to COVID-19. Maybe some of you have been to Punxsutawney to witness the spectacle at Gobbler's Knob. I have never done that. Kind of on my bucket list, but normally there could be 40,000 people there to see him come out of his lair. This year, it was all done virtually because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So the members of the inner circle, those are the guys in the top hats that you see on TV who take care of Phil. They were basically the only people allowed there along with the media. And there were masks, of course, worn. And so it, it had a little bit of a different look, but the outcome is what everybody was curious to know about and for the first time in three years Phil did predict six more weeks of winter and so far it seems like an accurate prediction because next week we're supposed to have colder weather and who knows beyond that typically February and March are stormier in this area than January so I have a feeling we're going to have a few more snow events for sure and uh Just encourage everybody to be safe out on the roads, drive defensively, the road crews are are doing their best, and and of course, stay at home if you don't absolutely have to go out. That's what most people did during the big snowstorm earlier in the week. Bad weather, of course, has the potential to disrupt the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine that has already seen some problems, at least here in Pennsylvania, with demand far exceeding supply. Pennsylvania is a little bit behind the national average as far as the number of people that have been vaccinated overall. I know the state authorities are working to try and increase the number of people that have at least had the first dose of the vaccine, and part and parcel with that is a new partnership with pharmacies, including Rite Aid, where you can now get the vaccine if you meet one of the qualifying tiers, you have to be either over 65, in some cases, hospital networks have chosen to make that 75, or you have to have a pre existing health condition. That can be any number of a variety of things, but it also includes obesity smoking. So the best thing to do if you want to see if you qualify is to go on to and Source and click on our story about the rollout of the vaccine to the pharmacies. The headline is Rite Aid. Other pharmacies begin receiving COVID vaccine doses, Johnny Hart wrote that and did a great job. The link to the Rite Aid website is directly in the story, so you can go on there and try and make an appointment. First, you'll take a quiz to see if you qualify, and if you qualify, then they will give you a list of participating pharmacies in the area and availability. And of course, we'll continue to report on developments in the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine. Hopefully, it continues to perform well, and especially with the variants that have been of increasing concern, variants from other countries that have started to appear in the U.S. Time will tell with that. In police news, we covered a major drug bust that was announced by the Bucks County District Attorney, Matthew Weintraub, earlier in the week. This bust began in Bucks County, but it actually extended into Lehigh County. An individual from Texas was stopped by a Bedminster Township police officer for alleged erratic driving, consented to a search of his vehicle, and the police reported finding over a million dollars in heroin, fentanyl, and cocaine packaged for sale, a million dollars street value. The discovery of the drugs in the vehicle according to the DA, led to discovery of several more million dollars worth of narcotics in a truck that was parked at a truck stop in Upper McCungee Township, Lehigh County. So the grand total of the recovered narcotics was approaching $4 million. That doesn't happen every day around here or even every year. These are hardcore drugs. Obviously, uh, heroin and fentanyl in particular can be extremely deadly. It's highly likely that getting these off the streets did save lives. Unfortunately, given the profits that can be made off illegal narcotics, there are more drugs in the pipeline. But anything that takes some of them off the streets is obviously good news. So uh, good job by all the authorities that were involved in the operation to to remove them and, and continue to do this work every day. In local business news, we have a couple of exciting stories. One is about a winery that is going to be coming to Upper Saucon Township. It's called Stone Cellar Farm and Vineyard, and it will be located on Veracruz Road. Some of you may be familiar with the old Camp JCC that was located there. This is in the Center Valley area. The camp was relocated, I believe, a number of years ago. It was operated by the Jewish Community Center and then the property was put up for sale. It's a 55 acre property. About a year ago, a company that operates zip line courses and rope adventure courses so, picture like, you know, rope bridges and swinging from ropes like Tarzan, that kind of thing they planned to open one of these courses there. They met with a lot of opposition to that plan because of noise concerns and environmental impact concerns. Ultimately, that fell through, that proposal, and the property was sold to the current owners, who, as I said, plan to have an operational vineyard on the site with a tasting room, a retail store, and possibly some activities. It's a beautiful location for a winery. I drove past it on Saturday. Everything is covered in a couple feet of snow right now, so. You kind of have to put your glasses on, your rose colored glasses, to picture it in the warmer months. But it certainly will be appealing for uh, wine lovers and it joins a number of other wineries in the Lehigh Valley area, which is becoming quite well known for grape growing. There's a Lehigh Valley Wine Trail. Of course, we have Black River Farms right here in Lower Saucon Township that's been open for several years now and, and highly successful as a winery. So it's exciting to see that the community is growing. And the other business news that we shared is from Hellertown where a new dining destination has opened. The Vibe Nutrition opened at 650 main street in mid January. So they've been open for several weeks now. They specialize in nutritional based meal replacements, including shakes, smoothies, energy drinks, smoothie bowls, and coffee drinks. And I'm a coffee lover, so I've really only had the coffee drinks there. They are fantastic. Amazingly, they only have two grams of sugar. You would not know that from tasting them, and they, they come in all different kinds of flavors from caramel mocha to peppermint to chai, I think. I mean, there's just a lot of different flavors. There's so many combinations that you can come up with there. And it's just a great warm atmosphere. Conveniently located very close to Saucon Source, about two doors away. If you were familiar with the area, the last business there was Off the Trail, a cafe that operated for a few months last year in 2020. And then before that there was another cafe type business, the coffee shop company also operated there for a relatively brief period, so uh, we're certainly hoping that the Vibe Nutrition is here to stay for a while. It would be great to see the community support them, as as I know they will, and get out there and give it a try. It's definitely something new and different for Hellertown, and that's always exciting. We have a number of, of restaurants, of course, in the downtown, but nothing quite like this. I'm sure they'll have a outside tables probably in the warmer weather right now. Uh, they have a few tables inside. It's a big space so there's plenty of room to spread out. Of course, masks are required when going in there. You know the drill due to do COVID-19, but everybody's just so friendly and, and welcoming and, and I think you're really gonna wanna check it out. Regardless of what your health level is, the drinks I had are delicious. I'm looking forward to trying other products there. On the health news front, we have a story about mammography campaign that has been launched by the Bradbury Sullivan LGBT Community Center in Allentown, and this began in January and it's continuing into the spring with a number of online free webinars being presented in partnership with local libraries, such as Emmaus Public Library, Kutztown, Nazareth. The great thing is that these are online and they're accessible to everybody, so you don't have to worry about driving anywhere or being a a library card holder at that particular library. The information is for everybody, and we have an interesting story about what inspired this. It's really partly due to the fact that, and I didn't know this, mammography rates, screening for breast cancer is significantly lower for members of the LGBT community. That's an unfortunate statistic. They want to, of course, increase the accessibility and awareness of the importance of mammograms for everybody, obviously, but also members of the LGBT community who may be at higher risk due to other factors like lifestyle choices, such as uh, smoking is at a higher level, typically. Uh, that's mentioned in our article. We have all the dates listed for the upcoming online presentations information sessions so you can sign up for them, put it on your calendar and hopefully get some good information and uh, get yourself uh, scheduled for a screening if if you fall into a category where you would need one. Finally, we had the pleasure this week of presenting our final donation from our holiday lights contest and tour fundraiser to the New Jerusalem Food Bank in Lower Saucon Township. Many of you I know are familiar with them. They do a great job of helping to feed families all year round. They're more needed than ever. Pastor Lisa Burrell was there to accept our check for $300 and she said that in the past year, the number of people using the food bank has increased by about 25%. They're they're serving about 100 families a month now, so they definitely need the support. They have information on the New Jerusalem Church website about how you can help, and like I said, everything is, is helpful. The other donations that were made possible by the Lights Contest and Our co-sponsors, Blair Custom Homes Incorporated and Bob's Valley Wide Carpet Care, those went to the Allentown Rescue Mission and the Center for Animal Health and Welfare. And I was able to distribute those last week, just before the snowstorm. So each organization received $300 to help them with their missions, respectively. I'm just thrilled that I was able to use my platform to help support these fine organizations. And I'm thankful for you participating in the contest. If you did that, I hope you had fun. If you didn't this year, the plan is to have it again in 2021 and make it even bigger and better. And hopefully by then COVID will be somewhat of a thing of the past and and we'll have more of an ability to get out and about and celebrate the season than we did last year. But of course it is a COVID safe activity too in your car, go and view some holiday lights. So so that will always be the case. You'll find a little article about the donation that we made on Sock & Source, along with lots of other news from the week and announcements about upcoming things to look forward to. So thank you for joining us through these 40 episodes of No Rain Date. Whether you're a longtime listener or new to the podcast, we appreciate your listening. And next up is our interview with Corinne Goodwin of the PA Trans Equity Project. Here at and Source, our mission is to provide information and make it as available as possible to the people in our community. A large part of that is a public service and we're grateful for the support we have from local advertisers because that revenue helps keep the information flowing to you our readers and listeners. Local news production does cost money, and that's why we've also introduced a voluntary membership option on Sock and Source. and we'd like to tell you a little more about that. Essentially, the membership is a recurring monthly contribution that shows your support for the work that we're doing. It helps guarantee that the information will remain free and accessible to you as well as to others in our community. And it also helps fund our future growth. Sock & Source is growing and we're expanding our coverage area. The more support we receive from the community, the better coverage we can provide and the more useful the site will be to you. So that's why we would invite you to visit our membership page on the website website, sockandsource.com. You can do that by clicking on join under my sock and source, which you'll see on the right side of your screen. If you're on a desktop or at the bottom of any article page, you'll see several membership options, including a monthly membership for $7, a four month membership for $25 or a yearly membership for $70. These are strictly voluntary contribution levels and they're not any part of a paywall. There's no requirement to contribute, but we are grateful for those who have already done so and we hope that you will consider purchasing a membership in the future. Doing so is quick and easy. You can do it securely online and you can cancel at any time. Thank you again to all our current members and thank you for considering becoming a future member. It's my pleasure this week on No Rain Date to welcome Corinne Goodwin, who's the executive director of the Eastern Pennsylvania Trans Equity Project and Lehigh Valley Renaissance. Welcome and thank you for joining us on No Rain Date.
1: Thanks for having me, Josh. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. I was excited to learn recently about your organization. I think I actually saw a profile of it in a, in a local publication I get called FIG Bethlehem. There were a bunch of different nonprofits profiled in that particular issue, but I was really fascinated to learn more about you know your mission and how you help members of the trans community locally and... I wanted to start off by asking you a little bit about the history of the organization and and how it came to be, and then we'll get into like how you are helping people in in many different ways. Sure. So actually,
1: Eastern PA Trans Equity Project, we're uh, an outgrowth of Lehigh Valley Transgender Renaissance. So Renaissance has been a support group for people of transgender experience in the Lehigh Valley since 1992 Hmm. and largely operated, you know, under the radar. So for, you know, literally decades, you know, the only way that you could get to go to a Renaissance meeting is if you knew somebody who knew somebody, uh, usually a therapist who happened to know how to get a hold of the the leaders of the group. Mm -hmm. And about... Five years ago, we decided that we wanted to do more than just be a support group that met once a month for supporting trans folk. We started by offering scholarships to transgender people to attend conferences that are focused on helping to support trans folk. And then we really branched out to want to do a a number of other things. And so in 2019, we founded... The Eastern PA Trans Equity Project, as the, a 501c nonprofit, you know our mission is to help support transgender people so that you know really they can do more than survive, but that they can really thrive. Our motto is "Life starts now." So mm-hmm. our mission is to empower trans people and to build strong community and to promote social justice and. Uh, really have a vision of being, you know, the go-to resource for trans folk in the eastern Pennsylvania area. We currently serve trans people in eight counties. So, Lehigh and Northampton, as well as Berks, Bucks, Montgomery, Monroe, Carbon, and Schuylkill counties. And effective in April, we'll be adding Luzerne and Lackawanna County as well. So, we'll be serving a third of the state at that point.
0: Wow. Yeah, that, that is a pretty a sizable area for sure. You mentioned five years ago, in the last five years, I mean, how how do you think, has the work gotten easier? Because it seems like we've we've had more public discussion about issues related to transgender, especially with Caitlyn Jenner, I guess, you know, was a big news story at the time and, and other individuals too. Has that sort of changed the dynamic, do you think?
1: So that's a, that's a great question. So, and like, you know, so many things that you can see it from two sides. So without a doubt over the last, Oh, five, even going back maybe 10 years, you know, trans people have become much more visible and, you know, we can use Caitlyn Jenner as a, as an example of that where we actually sort of timed our opening up our support groups where we know we built a website and, started becoming more public about who we are and and trying to become available for the trans population in the area about the same time that Caitlyn Jenner publicly came out as a person of trans experience. And whether it's because of her coming out along with some other individuals that were very public or because we decided to open up and let people really know that we were here in a public manner, you know, our monthly meetings you know, went from, you know, an average of, you know, maybe a half a dozen to eight people coming to a monthly meeting to 40, 50 people coming to a monthly meeting. So with that type of demand, you know, we really felt the need to expand services. So I think what the extra visibility has done is it has brought the subject of trans rights and trans existence to the forefront just like the conversations around gay marriage brought gay rights really very much to the forefront in the 90s and early 2000s. And so as an example, if you go back 10 years ago, 16% of the American populace said that they had known or met somebody of trans experience. That number has literally doubled to 32% in the last couple of years. And so with visibility comes a little bit of danger sometimes, but it also you know, creates conversation and it creates familiarity. And when we get more familiarity and the trans experience and the trans community just becomes more and more normalized, then ultimately good things happen because of that.
0: Right. And that was sort of my follow-up question for that about what you just mentioned, how the visibility is obviously a great thing, but it can... it can be a double-edged sword in that it can result in pushback and like for example last year I I had a few stories about oh a local school board member who was you know Mm -hmm. tweeting transphobic type incendiary material how do you work with members of the of the trans community and allies you know to sort of fight back against that because it can be, you know, alarming for many people to realize that somebody they've elected to represent them is is expressing those views. And particularly when it's in a school district where, you know, children, their education could be affected.
1: Yeah. So I think it's important almost to back up just for a second and really talk about who trans people are and where they are. So if you look at the Lehigh Valley and and surrounding communities here, there's a a better part of a million people who reside here. And depending on which studies you look at, the number of transgender people in the Lehigh Valley ranges from a low number of 6,000 to a high number of 20,000 people. Hmm. Um, And actually even one one study would indicate That it can be as high as thirty thousand people who are gender diverse. So that means that if you think about it and you equate it with other minority groups, for example, trans people are just as common as people with red hair, and or people with blue eyes, or people who are left-handed. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're we're approaching that level of commonality. The difference is is that you know, we all know somebody who's got red hair. And the truth is, we probably all know somebody who's trans. They just haven't told you yet. And so when we start having conversations with people about educating them about the trans experience and who trans people are, we start off with that kind of analogy. And then we talk about how, for example, in our support groups that we run, we have people who are lawyers and doctors. We have people who are politicians, we have people who are truck drivers and mechanics and business owners, people who come from every single walk of life. We are just as diverse as the community that's out there. We're just not always out because of the stigma that's associated with being trans. So you know, certainly in my personal case, you know, I am out and I'm loud and I'm proud and I go and talk to groups all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, to try to educate them about the trans experience because what we know is that when you know we're in a group of oh thirty med school students, or a year or so ago uh, we were in front of a thousand teachers in the school district. That you know we're going to convert some minds in that in that building, and then those people will start to convince their peers as well. So we really try to work as an evangelist to try to make sure that people understand why inclusivity is important and what, what those types of behaviors are that create an inclusive environment where people can thrive.
0: Right. And, and I saw that in one of your marketing materials where, where you do offer that like type of approach where you'll speak to, you're happy to speak to an organization or maybe a <coughs> church group or, you know, any, any type of group that wants to learn more. One of the key services that you offer to the community is access to legal support for name changes, which is a really important thing for a person who is transgender. Why is that so critical and and why are there significant obstacles to that in some cases?
1: Yeah, so Our name change program is one of a number of different empowerment programs we have, but it's probably our biggest and most popular one right now. And if you think about your name and you think about your identification and the number of times that you have to share your name and share your identification. So, for example, if you want to apply for a job, and get a job at some point you're going to need to pull out your identification and show it to the people in the hr department or to your prospective employer if you are applying for an apartment many landlords require that you show legal identification so that they can do a background check when you do that background check that background check is going to be in your legal name not in your chosen name if you want to go to Wegmans and buy a six pack of beer, you have to show your ID. If you get caught at a a traffic stop because you're speeding, you have to pull out your ID. And even if you, you know, outwardly, no one would know that you're a person of trans experience. If your ID doesn't match, you know, when you're checking into a hotel, or you're renting a car, or you're buying cold medicine at the local drugstore, you're automatically outing yourself as a person of transgender experience. Mm -hmm. And that can be dangerous. You know, the the rate of violence against people of trans experience is 67% more than it is for any other group in the United States of America. Last year, 48 transgender people, mostly trans women of color, were murdered just because of who they are. So what helping somebody with a legal name change does is it makes it so that they, you know, it reduces the danger that they're exposed to in their everyday life. Because now they don't have to be outed as a transgender individual. And so while we're not lawyers, you know, we are transgender people helping other transgender people. This past year, we helped 75 people with completing their legal name change. Hmm. And we provided financial support to about 30 of them. Mm-hmm. to help them with the costs of, of getting a name change. So in the state of Pennsylvania, for example, if you don't hire a lawyer, you do everything yourself through the court system, it costs about $500 to change your name. And that's money that a lot of people don't have. So we, we help them with the mentoring and we help them with paperwork and we help them with funding.
0: I think that's that's awesome. And and thank you for sharing those examples because that for me anyway, really puts a face on it. I mean, when you think about something as common as going to, like you said, Wegmans and buying a bottle of wine or something and they ID everybody, it doesn't matter if you're 21 or a hundred now. So, right. Um, yeah. So yeah. you, uh, well, and
1: imagine if you were, imagine if you were in a bar, mm-hmm. right, a crowded bar and, you know, you get carded. And so, you know, they pull your ID and they say like, well, this id says your name is joe not joanne well now you're immediately outed as a trans person to everybody in that bar Mm -hmm. and you know all it takes is one person who has a problem with trans folk and you're in danger right and and i know people personally who have been been assaulted as a
0: result of that exact situation right that's scary to hear that that that's unfortunately not unheard of. And and it's great that there is your organization to turn to for people who, who need assistance with that. And hopefully in the future it won't be, you know, maybe maybe the the process can be less cumbersome or less expensive would be great too, I would think.
1: Yeah, well, we, we and, and some other LGBTQ advocacy organizations are actually lobbying in uh, the state legislature to simplify the process, matter of fact.
0: So oh, fantastic.
1: One of the, things that's unique about Pennsylvania is that every county's process for granting legal name changes is different. (laughs) Whereas, for example, if you go to, if you're in New Jersey, it's just one single process. It's the same all the way across the state. So we have, you know, right now we're in eight counties, soon to be 10. We need to understand the, the intricacies of each county and how they work.
0: Wow. Yeah. You would think it would be the same throughout the whole state. Cause it's like the state that issues the ID. So that's kind of weird. You would think. (laughs) Pennsylvania, you never know. One of the other areas where you provide financial support is with things like gender affirming garments and prosthetics, uh, which can also be Mm -hmm. very costly. Can you talk a little bit about that aspect?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So for example, if you're a, a trans guy and you, know, you are you know, assigned female at birth, you're a natal female, and you have breasts. But if you are you know, living and presenting as a guy, you, wanna, you, know, you need to bind your breasts down. And so that can be done safely, or it can be done dangerously. You know, the dangerous ways are that people use duct tape. The safe ways is it, safe ways that you buy a spec, you know, a garment specifically designed to help you bind your breasts so that you don't hurt yourself, but that you can still present in your true gender and work and function and shop and do everything else that you need to do that all of us need to do in our day to day lives, you know, and be comfortable doing so. You know, if you're identify as a trans woman, you might need breast forms. You know, and there are other, you know, things that people might need that, that you know, a trans woman might need to, for example, to disguise, you know, the bulge in the pants, mm-hmm. for example. So, so we help people with those garments. And we also help people if, you know, you're transitioning and you need a wardrobe, for example, to go to work and go to your job and you need new clothing, we help people with that as well.
0: Great. And, and I think it's important yeah. for our listeners, too, to realize, I mean... Hopefully they do, but you know this isn't just something that you do to, you know, look good or you know it's it's so you can feel yourself and basically be functional because it's it's traumatic when your physical characteristics don't match the gender that you are inside. You could probably explain that better. Yeah, than I do. you know, a,
1: a good analogy, not a perfect analogy, but a good analogy is, for example, you know, you may know somebody who has a birthmark on their face, mm. right? And that birthmark can be distracting to them. It can make them you know, feel inadequate. It can make it so that they don't want to go to work. They don't want to go out in society because people are going to stare. And so you, know, you can buy makeup. It's not cheap. You can buy expensive makeup. It'll help to hide a birthmark. It's really the same type of thing, right? It's, it's just making it so that you feel more comfortable in your body mm-hmm. so that you can go out and function in society.
0: Right. No, that's a good a good analogy for that. Do you think that in the future, with you know changes to our society, that some of these things that that you have to provide support for, provide financial support for, will will we get to a point where you know a health insurance plan will cover things like this automatically?
1: Well, yeah. So we are hopeful, and, and we are making advances. It's important to know that. There are a number of challenges that that trans folk face, right? So as an example, 57% of all trans people have been rejected by family members. And the result of that is that the homelessness issue for trans folk is huge. You know, up to 30% of all trans people have been homeless at one point or another. And so we're actually, literally today, just found out that we won the grant to help to stand up a housing program to help trans people find housing if they need it. 30% of all trans people have had some form of a negative experience with their healthcare provider. That includes me, where you know healthcare providers refuse to treat them or give them poor treatment, and so they don't go to the doctor. 40% of all trans people don't have health insurance. 80% of all trans people don't have ID that matches their gender presentation. Almost 30% of all transgender people go to bed hungry at night. The unemployment rate for trans people is two times the national average. And if you're a person of color, it's four times the national average. So, you know, all of our programs are designed to try to help move the needle in these things in terms of our empowerment programs and our supporter programs. But on the other side of the equation, you know, the advocacy that we do whether it's with local, you know, political figures or companies, the educational programs we do with medical schools and, you know, educational institutions and companies that, you know, every time we do that, if we can walk out and say that we changed one mind or at least gotten somebody thinking about it, we know we're making forward progress. And we know we're doing it because we are in the news now literally every day, mm-hmm. right? People are talking about the trans experience, some people from you know, a supporter perspective, some people from a fear perspective, but it's better to be talked about than to be ignored. And we know that we're going to be making progress every day. Sometimes we make a leap and sometimes we're scrabbling by our fingernails. But we know we're going to make a difference. And, you know, part of that is an example, you know, the healthcare plan that I had two years ago, it didn't support transition costs, whether it's for medications or for surgeries, as an example. And now it does. And that's a result of people getting out there and having conversations and advocating with these companies and, you know, various you know, political figures, you know, working on our behalf with our encouragement to make sure that these companies do the right thing.
0: Right. I was going to ask like how important is like legislative support, whether it's at the state level or the federal level. And we obviously have a new presidential administration in power now that appears to be more certainly sympathetic towards these issues than the prior one. Do you think that that will accelerate, you know, the the change?
1: yeah so i think that like all things in the realm of politics you know it kind of goes by fits and starts so as an example two days ago or three days ago president biden revoked the ban on transgender people serving in the military Mm -hmm. on the other hand today our state legislature voted to defeat an amendment to the state constitution by the way they've done this now for i want to say it's 12 years in a row where an amendment to the state constitution has come available that would protect LGBTQ trans people from discrimination in employment and public accommodations and in housing. And yet again, the Pennsylvania state legislature defeated that. Mm -hmm. So it's great that we have our president, for example, out there advocating for us on every day. But we know we need to get a national, we need to get the Equality Act to pass at the national level that would protect not only LGBTQ people, but it would protect pregnant people from discrimination in public accommodation and employment and housing and medical care. But, you know, as we all know, you know, there's been, you know, the Civil Rights Act since 1964, and yet discrimination against, you know, people of color is still a real problem. Mm-hmm. So the laws are important because they give us legal recourse, but more important is changing attitudes, and you can't legislate that.
0: Right, that's a that's an excellent point. Children, you know, obviously are are the future of those attitudes. One of the things I saw that is that you have a, a kids summer camp for transgender kids. Is that something that's. Done every year, or are you able to do that? Well right so now?
1: actually, it's a, a, it's actually a new program for this year. And while we don't run the summer camp, what we're doing is we're sponsoring two kids to go to a trans affirming summer camp,
0: oh, so they okay. can be
1: around other trans kids and have a great summer camp experience that's safe and and fun. Right. Well, that's fantastic. So yeah, that's a new that's a new program for us this year. Along with we also just issued our first. College scholarships, So we're helping to send trans kids to school. So, wonderful. You know, the, gradu- the, the, the rate of trans kids going to college is significantly lower. Matter of fact, over forty percent of all trans kids say that they could never go to college because of who they are. And so, we're giving a twenty-five hundred dollars scholarship every year to one trans student. And that may not sound like a lot, but if a student is going to Northampton Community College or lehigh carbon community college that pays for an entire year's tuition
0: yeah so,
1: you know, we'll help them go to school so they can pay it
0: forward right right i mean education is a huge part of the the puzzle so that's wonderful how do you fundraise for these you know scholarships and you mentioned getting a grant is that sort of like one of the main ways you're able to
1: yeah, pass so- on the support Yeah, we fundraise a number of different ways. So this past year, about 50% of our revenues were raised were truly grassroots fundraising. So people giving us $5, $20, or maybe $100 at a time. So that was about half of the monies that that we earned. In some cases, we are able to get grant money. So I mentioned earlier that we just got a grant to help with housing and crisis assistance, we got a donation specifically from an individual contributor but specifically for food assistance this past year especially during covid we didn't want anybody to go hungry so somebody can come to our website person of trans experience or the parent of a trans kid and apply and we'll make sure that they get the grocery store gift cards help make sure that they're fed and then we do get some grant money as well in support of our name change program but easily half of our money is, you know, individual contributions. And we invite people to go to our website and please help us out. So right. every dollar counts. And, you know, our, our philosophy is, you know, sometimes you go wide and sometimes you go deep. And these empowerment programs, you know, whether it's the name change or, you know, helping somebody get housing or that college scholarship, I mean, these are things that can change the course of somebody's life and, you know, help them to, like I said earlier, do more than survive. We want them to thrive.
0: Right, right. Are there any other programs that you offer that you wanted to highlight or services that that we didn't touch on yet?
1: Well, I I would say that, you know, so we have three soon-to-be-four support groups for trans folk and their family members. So we have Lehigh Valley Transgender Renaissance, which is open to anybody of transgender experience. We have a program called Beyond the Binary, which is specifically for people who are gender non-binary. We have a partners group, which is for spouses and partners of trans folks, because, you know, when a trans person transitions, their family members do too. And then we will have launching in late March a uh, support program specifically for trans people of color called Pride in My Pigment. And then on top of that, we have a huge listing on our websites of you know, trans-affirming physicians and doctors and therapists and you know, where you can go get your hair done and you know, all the stuff that trans people are looking for, voice therapy and, and you name it, that really the types of services that trans folk need. You know, we had almost 4,000 people access those services last
0: year. Wow. That's, that's impressive and, and fantastic. Your website is PAtransequity.org. You're also, of course, on social media where people can connect with you on Facebook and Instagram. As far as like the programming, is that all primarily done through like Zoom or you know like the peer support groups right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, right now all support groups are operating virtually. We hope to get back to doing in-person meetings at some point down the road, but we want to make sure that it's done in a safe manner. Right. I do want to say that March 31st of this year, so not too long far from now, is the International Transgender Day of Visibility. Mm-hmm. And we are doing a community education event on Transgender Day of Visibility via Zoom. It'll also be streaming on Facebook Live where we'll have a panel of transgender people as well as the mom of a trans kid who will be talking about their experiences as members of the trans community. And members of the general community will have an opportunity to send their questions in and have them answered so people can, can you know, learn more about us.
0: Oh, that sounds and like that, great uh, to- We have
1: a Facebook event on our page where people can register
0: for that. I'll have to do that because that sounds like a, a really cool thing and uh, to put it on the calendar. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. And and I also saw that there's a big annual conference, I believe, in Philadelphia. Is that every year?
1: Yeah. So, you know, last year it was canceled, unfortunately, but there are actually two large conferences that we have programming around. The first one is the Keystone Conference, which takes place usually every March in uh, Harrisburg, and again, you know, COVID has uh, put a little bit of a kibosh on that,
0: mm-hmm. but we
1: sponsor minimum of two people to go to that conference. It's a four-day conference every year where they actually stay at a hotel and have access to all kinds of resources. And then the Philadelphia Trans Wellness Conference, which takes place in August of every year, is the largest Conference of its type in the world, over 9,000 transgender and gender non-binary people attend every year. We have a, a rideshare program where we'll, you know, rent the bus and take, you know, 30 people down to the conference for free. The conference itself is free. We also buy them lunch when they go to the conference, so you know they don't have to worry about, you know, fighting Philly traffic, fighting Philly parking or their meal for that day, they can spend the entire day at the conference and revel really in the community of it all and have access to just tons of amazing vendors and information, and seminars to help them on their journey. Hmm.
0: Sounds great. One other thing I wanted to ask was whether you have something like a newsletter that goes out or anything that people could subscribe to, to stay up to date on, on like future events.
1: Yep, absolutely. So, actually, if people go to our Renaissance website, which is www.renaissancelv.org, they can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We're sending it out to about 700 people a month right now. You know, it usually is about a dozen pages of information everything from, you know, what all of our support groups are and when they are to articles and news pieces to poetry and other information that people might be
0: interested in. So, yeah, great, absolutely. So definitely check that out. Visit two websites, renaissancelv.org and patransequity.org. Thank you so much for joining us, Corinne. This has been really a helpful interview and, and educational for me, and I'm, I'm sure for many of our listeners, too.
1: Thank you. It's been my absolute pleasure.
0: We've been recording No Rain Date since late 2019, and we've produced a fair number of episodes at this point. We would love to hear your feedback about what we're doing, what makes you tune in every week, what ideas do you have for interview guests, is there something that you think the podcast is missing? Feel free to share your thoughts, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent with us. You can do that by emailing josh at josh at saukinsource.com. No Rain Date is a local news and information podcast, and we focus on the Saucon Valley. However, our guests are from the Lehigh Valley and beyond. So please try and keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about ideas for future episodes. Thank you. No Rain Date is an original production of Sock and Source, LLC. Our theme music is provided by This Way to the Egress. For more great music by them, be sure to follow This Way to the Egress on Spotify. Thank you for listening.